I had a lot of anger of my childhood still stored in my body. And I can go ahead and say that, oh, I have forgotten, I have forgiven, but my mind and my body always remembered. Mm -hmm. And I understood that I have to be responsible for my own actions, my own thoughts, and the person that I want to be. And once I changed the narrative and once I started understanding myself, is the time where I started living my true, authentic, uh, real life. I don't know how you do it, said no one ever to a high-flying man. The pressure for women to be perfect is cited as the leading cause of anxiety amongst us. We have to have the perfect job and the perfect family, the perfect partner, and also look perfect all of the time. And the consequences of this are omnipresent, with one in five women suffering from common mental disorders, such as depression or anxiety, in any given week. That's compared to one in eight men. I'm far from an expert on mental health, but I do know that we only grow stronger and reduce stigma by opening up and talking about taboo topics such as this. Which is why I am so honoured to have our guest, Oshika, with us today. When she first told me her quite extraordinary story, I burst into tears. Her humility, her resilience, her strength, wisdom and compassion shine through in everything she does. Only the strong can be vulnerable. So Oshika, thank you so much for being so strong in sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to talk to you about the topic which is so close to my heart and I'm super passionate about. So I I'm know. just delighted to be here. Amazing. Let's start with hearing about your story because I think it's quite an extraordinary journey um, and then there's so much that we can all learn and take from it. Sure. Um, I had a very unusual and a difficult childhood. Uh, my father was an alcoholic. While other kids and families were going for dinners and family trips, me, my sister and my brother were living in the fear of my father every day and night. Um, he was an abuser. Every night he used to have a lot of alcohol and hit my mother, thrash me and my sister for no reason or no fault of ours. And funny thing, it was not always like that. He was a lo loving, caring and a kind father. I still have early childhood memories that he threw me the biggest party for my first birthday. He really adored his one-year-old daughter. But while he was arranging my birthday party, he was also getting drowned in alcohol. He thought that he was consuming alcohol, but in reality, the alcohol was consuming him. The alcohol was eating the human inside him. Alcohol is an addiction and we live in a society where drinking is, is the norm and it's so mm -hmm. common, but nobody talks about the addiction part of it. Uh, my mother, a domestic violence uh, survivor. And oh, what do I say about my mother? My mother is a synonym of courage, love, compassion, dedication. She was so much dedicated to her husband. She dedicated her entire life to my father and to us. It was way too difficult for all of us. Uh, however, she gave us the courage and she did everything for us to give us the best. Amazing. And you grew up in India, in, in northern India, just, just outside Delhi. I mean, that 
that is so much for a young person, any child to have to go through. And, and I know for a lot of people that will be a really shocking and, and upsetting story to hear. And yet, I think actually if you look at the data and the statistics, that a lot of your story may well be familiar with more people than we realise. The World Health Organization recently published a report that said that during the pandemic, 65% of women reported they'd been a victim of violence in their lifetime. And since the pandemic, one in four women now say they feel less safe in their homes, which for me is it's like unfathomable that, that, this, that these numbers are so high. And then I looked up in the UK and there was a UK police report that said 62% of domestic violent cases that are reported to the police were alcohol related. Now, of course, those are the ones that are reported and we know that there's a huge amount of people who don't have the courage and the bravery or um, don't want to come forwards and, and report them to the police. And I also think that that doesn't take into account the consequences of it all, you know, the fear and the trauma um, and the ongoing concern for safety, which must weigh so heavily. So after a really, really difficult childhood, let's, let's hear about how you turn that around and, and about your marriage. Before I do that, I'll quickly reiterate on the point where you said that uh, that this is so common. We all think that our suffering is very unique to us, but it will be funny to understand that it's not, and you really can empower yourself and come out of it. So yeah, that's what uh, life did to me. I got married when I was 25 years old. I met my husband, this gem of a human being. My husband is all of those things that I never thought that I needed or I could have. He's the anchor of the boat that we are sailing in, in the ocean that we call life. When I met my husband, I got so much of love, so much of support, and I thought, oh wow, this is a new life. I am this new person living this life of joy and happiness, and I can just forget my past and live this new life. But but the body remembers. I can go ahead and say that, oh, I have forgotten, I have forgiven, but my mind and my body always remembered. Mm -hmm. I had put all of my hardships and difficulties under the rug and I was trying to live this life, but then suddenly I had episodes of anxiety. I felt that I was under depression. Mm -hmm. I was cascading in this whole place where I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. Uh, I had palpitations. I was unconsolable. I, I was living a life in fear. And my life, if you look externally, was just perfect. I was traveling around the world. I was in Turkey with my best friends and my husband, and we were changing airports. But I couldn't stop crying. And I knew that there is something wrong within me. And I couldn't live in fear. I felt so compromised that the strong, fierce woman that my mother raised me to be, I couldn't connect with that woman anymore. I wasn't that woman anymore. And that's when uh, I wanted to change the narrative for myself. I started therapy. Uh, therapy was another excruciating uh, thing for me because the memories that I thought that I forget forgotten or the things that I've forgiven were still popping out. 
so your therapist, your doctor, they are like your colleagues in your own mental health project and therapy and healing is something which is way too personal. Uh, so yeah, I took the charge of my life. Therapy didn't work for me, but I created like a self-help plan for myself. I started meditating twice a day. I started journaling. I started doing a lot of yoga and I started understanding my own behavior, my mm -hmm. own triggers. I started analyzing why I was doing what I was doing. I understood that I was big time people pleaser. I had a lot of anger of my childhood still stored in my body. And I understood that I have to be responsible for my own actions, my own thoughts and the person that I want to be. And once I changed the narrative and once I started understanding myself is the time where I started telling the story the way I wanted to yeah. and living my true, authentic, uh, real life. Amazing. And I think one of the things that, that I take from that, well, a couple of things. One is that it's it's unrealistic when we've had trauma of any kind, right? And all trauma is, is relative and, and different, contextualized. But ultimately, if we try and bury it, if we try and forget about it, it will it it, it has a way of, of coming out. So dealing with it is really important, right? And the first way to address a problem is to accept that it exists in the first place. So I think one of the things that we need to recognize is that recognizing we need help and asking for help comes from a huge place of strength. And that people that do that should be celebrated and rewarded for it because it's ultimately a really, really brave thing to do to put your hand up and say, this isn't right, I, I, I need help here. And I think we can't let the past define our future. That's really important because the past is gone. We can't do anything about that. And I hope this doesn't sound patronizing, but I think that you had such awareness and wisdom so early on, maybe because you'd lived such a life by the time that you were 18, but you managed to pull yourself back. And I don't think everyone has the ability to do that. Now, when we've been chatting before, you've got some really like amazing practical tips for dealing with anxiety. If we go back to the intro, we know that one in five women deal with anxiety on a weekly basis. So I think what's really important is what can we do? Like what are some of the practical tips that you learned that other women who may be thinking, gosh, you know, I, I need help, but I don't actually know what I can do about it? Sure, uh, I had dealt with anxiety for a long time. Uh... If you feel that you are having palpitations or you're feeling very anxious, just take an ice tray or something cold and maybe put it on your wrist. It quickly disrupts the body's panic response and it will help you being calmer. Uh, talk to a loved one. Don't judge yourself. Be kind towards yourself. You have gone through a lot and this is just your body's response and you will be able to heal yourself once you start loving yourself and being kind to yourself. And the third thing is that whatever anyone says, your mental health is the most important thing. Be It's more important than your job. <laughs> it's more important than your relationships. It's, it's about owning yourself and not being bogged down about what the society's norm is. Healing is a journey. So just love yourself. Amazing. I love that. Um, so I have two practical tips for, for dealing with, with stress um, or anxiety um, that I've learned over my career. So one is, and this is if I've got like a massive meeting at work mm -hmm. in particular, or I'm going to do a big presentation, 
people say to me all the time, oh, you're so strong, but I'm not strong all the time. I'm a very normal person. And one of them is to go into the toilets at work and you close the cubicle and then you silently scream and you go <laughs> like that. And somehow it releases the adrenaline yeah. that's like building up and yeah. building up. Because that's sometimes what, like we feel this sort of panic surging yeah. up with this anxiety yeah. and you've got to find a way for your yeah. body to get rid of it. And then the other one that I learned um, on a management course I did was sort of to pretend your body is like a, a steam engine and then you like turn a valve on your arm and you go psh and it's really important to make the noise and yeah. you go psh and somehow it lets the stress out and you yeah. feel like the stress is being released from, from the valve. So those are my two like practical tips. Um, so one of the things that I think you do more than probably any other person that I've met is you have found your purpose and you live your passion. And as you said, that is more important than any job, any paycheck or any job title. Yes, of course, it's important to be financially solvent because uh, that gives us freedom of choice. Um, but beyond that, knowing our values um, and knowing what we're doing, how and how that relates to that, I think is so critical. And I know that whenever I found life tough or I found people tough, um, it's usually because for whatever reason, they're at conflict with my mm -hmm. with my core values. And so when there's that kind of tension there, I, I think I think that that always for me tends to cause underlying issues. So we've got to do the work to find our purpose, which I think you did and you did it way earlier in life than I ever managed to work it out. But also to acknowledge that our values and purpose can change over life because you know, what you want in your 20s isn't the same as your 30s, isn't the same as your 40s. And now I'm, you know, starting my 50s. So let's quickly talk about the importance of living with intent. Because I, again, when we chatted before about that, I loved what you had to say. Living with intent. Uh, it's like a difficult one, to be honest. Um, life is a journey, as you said, like what you want at your 20s or what you want at your 30s is way uh, too different. But when you start recognizing the soul that is inside you, you will feel that you will find your purpose. It's such a mystery that we are born in this vessel that we call this human body. And there are trillions of cells. There is something really interesting and mysterious about being a human being. You feel moved by love. You feel moved by a symphony that you have heard. You feel feel alive in nature. So once you go within and st stop trying to change your external circumstances, you never have control over them. But what I have learned that I have control over my own feelings and what actions I take. Um, a lot of these gurus tell you that, oh, manifest your life or try and vibrate at a higher level. Earlier, I was like, I was just reading those. It never made sense to me. But now when I started understanding myself and I know who I am, I am one with the fabric of universe and I know what I want to be and why I am here in this current lifetime. I, re I really hope you write a book one day. I think, I think you, you know, you would be the most amazing life guru. I, I, I just get so much incredible energy from you when, when we chat. I think for me, you know, there's no such thing as a coincidence, right? Everything happens for a reason. Um, and we also have to accept that life can be really unfair. You know, the lottery of the family circumstances that we're born into, as we know, they have a huge bearing on the trajectory of our lives. Even if, you know, were you born a man or were you born a woman? 
Um, I read somewhere that 80% of the thoughts that we think are negative. So it's not just the structures of society that oppress us, but it's our own minds as well. So we really are our own worst enemies, aren't we? So I think then it's not that surprising really that so many of us will suffer from anxiety or low self-esteem or loneliness or depression in our lifetimes. And you know, it's definitely the 21st century disease. And all of these things hold women back at work and at home. And these things and feelings of not being good enough start when girls in particular are really young. You cannot be what you cannot see. And we're surrounded by some quite unrealistic fairy tales before we can even talk or read. So having reflected on this, and you know, I don't think I'll ever be as wise as Oshika, but perhaps one of the greatest life skills we all need is to be gentler and kinder, not to each other, but to ourselves, and that that can be our superpower. And I think the other thing that we need to recognize is we can't heal in the environment that made us ill in the first place. We women need to be enormously brave in order to have the courage to be imperfect and to accept that life is the school we'll never graduate from and we will always have to learn the way on the way and be grateful for what we do have rather than worrying about what we do not. Oshaka, I'm not really sure I've got the words to express just how much I admire you, but I hope you know there's a, there's a lot of love um, between us and uh, your wisdom is just such an inspiration to me. You are a role model for me, that's for sure. Um, I think we can all learn from you and I feel hugely optimistic about the future of the world, um, that there are people and young women leaders like you in it. Only the strong can be vulnerable and you are definitely the living embodiment of that. So thank you for having the courage to share your story with us all today. Thank you so much for having me here. Lots of love and light to everyone who's listening and lots of courage to everyone who is suffering, yeah. 